Thank you. We do rejoice with you. And that illustrates where I'd like us to go. We have, we have been going through this Advent season with these reminders, a Savior is born. And that, that's attached to these angels that showed up outside of Bethlehem. And they announced to these shepherds, a Savior has been born in David's town, a Savior who was Messiah and Master. And I think that most of the time when we hear Jesus is our Savior, I think we, it just automatically triggers within us, Jesus saves us from our sins. That, that, and in a sense, what that means is there's forgiveness. Uh, we can be forgiven for the things that we've done wrong, the transgressions, the sins, as well as we can extend forgiveness. And like in this story, that there's this transaction of canceling debts that we can accrue uh, toward one another or with God. So, and, and for every good reason. I mean, when the birth announcement was to Joseph, an angel said to him, Joseph, son of David, don't hesitate to get married. Mary's pregnancy is spirit-conceived. God's Holy Spirit has made her pregnant. She will bring a son to birth. And when she does, you, Joseph, will name him Jesus. God saves because he, Jesus, will save his people, Israel, from their sins. So there's every reason for us to, to recognize that Jesus is a Savior in the sense that there is forgiveness for our sin. I don't want to undermine that. I don't want to make that smaller. But I want us to realize there's also something bigger than God forgiving our personal sin. The title Savior uh, was used first for deified emperors or rulers. I read this to you earlier, but I want to bring it back to you because this, again, this sets a context for Jesus being the Savior in a way that's bigger than Jesus forgiving our sins. In the Hellenistic ruler cult, the Lord, Kyrios, Jesus is Lord. The Kyrios became part of the official title of kings and divine honors were accorded them. This development found its strongest expression in the Roman imperial cultus. So that Julius Caesar, the title Caesar, savior of the inhabited world was, was first applied to him. And then Caesar Augustus, there was a census that Caesar Augustus called. That's why the angels are coming outside of Bethlehem. And they hailed that Augustus, a savior for us. The idea of the emperor as a benefactor was linked with that of a golden age of peace, order, and prosperity inaugurated by his beneficent rule. So what I want you to see is savior, the first contact, Context for Savior had to do with a benevolent ruler in the mind of that ruler. I mean, if you were a Roman emperor and you had the strongest army in the world and like you could overtake whoever you wanted to, you might think that was really a good thing. Aren't I a benevolent ruler? I just overran your country. 
you see, you get a little skewed. You get it? I mean, you can get a little bit skewed. And then, because you're now in charge, you're now introducing to the land that you just conquered a, an age of peace and order and prosperity because you're the ruler. So that's how Savior was still used when Jesus is born. Now, there's something going on. When that angel says, this day... There is a Savior, and he's not Caesar. And this Savior is Messiah, which means he's going to introduce the true age of peace and justice and righteousness and prosperity. It's not Caesar. It's Jesus. That is happening in this story. And, and what Jesus is doing as Savior is what is pushing us beyond just forgiveness of our personal sins. You see, Jesus is called by John the Baptist, the Lamb of God. And when he sees Jesus, he says, Behold, look, there is the Lamb of God. And he doesn't say, There's the Lamb of God who forgives our sins. He says something different. Notice what he says. Behold... The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Taking away is not forgiving sins, plural. Behold the Lamb of God who's going to take away sin, singular, of the world. So then you got to back up and say, oh, go, whoa, whoa, what are we talking about? Within Hebrew, there's four words for sin. Kata is the one that we would use forgiveness of our transgressions. It's the most common. That'll make sense in a moment. The second most common is pasha, which means to rebel. Then ut, to bend, and shaga, to err. Now notice what's happening. I'll just read you some conclusions. I've read about the words. Taking the Old Testament as a whole, we, must, we may thus maintain that for the authors of the Old Testament, sin is a legal and theological term for what is contrary to the norm. So within the Old Testament, God sets the norm by a covenant. And he invites Israelis to live according to that norm. Now, when they fall short of that norm, when they deviate from that norm, that's what sin is. That's transgression. It's the breaking of the law. It's the breaking of the rules. God sets the rules, invites humanity to follow the rules. When humanity falls short, they sin. It's just, it's a legal transaction. Now, interestingly, this is where it gets a little confusing. Because where God sets the norm, and you can, we can all read about it. I mean, it's right there recorded for us in the Old Testament. But even within the nation of Israel, man received what God gave him and then immediately began to interpret the rules of God and came up with their own rules. So by the time Jesus shows up, he's able to say, Hey, you, you're not even following God's norms anymore. You've created this tradition of the elders. That's not even what God had in mind. 
And so you've just complicated it. We do the same thing. We do exactly the same thing. Somehow we come up with our list of transgressions that are the norms that we expect everybody to abide by. And then when people fall short of that, we say, well, you're a sinner. And the way you get right is you do this. Some of those things probably are from God's heart. Others are just our social, it's just our norm. In John, in the gospel, when he uses the word hamartia, sin, he's using it as a condition or a characteristic and it's opposed to aletheia, which is truth. So he's not talking about the breaking of rules. He's not talking about sins. He's talking about the condition of us as people. Jesus came to deal with something within us. Now at the same time he deals with the, the externals. He did the mechanism of forgiving ourselves, forgiving one another, being forgiven by God. That mechanism is all involved in this, but even more important than that is he dealt with what is within me that causes me to rebel against the norm. Pasha, the second most common Hebrew word for sin. To rebel brings us closer to the heart of the true problem of sin since it unmistakably describes the motive which determines the sinner. I think we've all made fun of, you know, whenever you make a rule, I want to break it. Haven't we? I mean, do we recognize that within ourselves? Do we recognize that within our kids? As lovely, as kind, as beautiful. I mean, we set the rules, our kids break them. Is it because the rule is bad? No. It's us. There's something with us. It's just within us. We come with this propensity to rebel. When Jesus shows up as Savior to take away the sin of the world, the message is... I'm going to change humanity from the inside out. He's taught us to pray a couple of things. Lead us not into temptation. We're easily, easily, easily deceived. We are gullible. We take the bait. If temptation comes too close to us, we grab onto it. So keep us alert because we want to be people of the truth. We don't want to be deceived. We, we don't want to be led down this path, but our heart is deceptive above all else. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from the evil one. See, when Jesus shows up as Savior, 
He's the conquering ruler over the dominion of darkness. Where Israel as a nation is saying, oh, these rotten Romans, oh, these rotten Greeks before those Romans, oh, those rotten... I mean, it just keeps going in history. I mean, they have for 700 years rotten rulers. And Jesus is saying, you know, that's true. You've had some rotten rulers, but I want to deal with the root of those rotten rulers, which is a kingdom of oppression, of darkness that operates through deceit. Set us free. Savior Jesus, set us free from the oppression of the kingdom of darkness. Jesus, take away the rebellion that exists within me. Let us be born anew. So what Jesus came to do is he came to rescind the curse. The curse that fell on humanity from Adam and Eve, Jesus came to lift that off of humanity. He came to deal with that root issue. We were born in sin. That's why we're being invited to be born anew. (laughs) End our rebellion. End our rebellion by transforming us internally. Change our heart from being rebels to being servants, submitted to a good and gracious God. And as you're doing that, Jesus, expose the deceiver. You know, bring light into our darkness. And let us, I mean, let us live humbly. Let's, let's, let's like willingly acknowledge we're really vulnerable to deceit and deception. See, when Jesus came to take away the sin of the world, he came to carry off our rebellion by the atoning power of his blood. My friends, that has begun. It's not final, but it's begun. Some of us get it. Like Isaac Watts, No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings known far as the curse is found. Jesus came to change the course of humanity. We do not need to wait until he returns to begin receiving that blessing. Again, we're not going to get it all now, but it can begin now. And the, the way it can begin for you and me is for us to realize, oh my goodness, I am so grateful that my sins are forgiven. I'm so grateful that I can forgive those that I love. I'm so grateful that I can be reunited. This story of, of reunion after, I mean, all of that is due to a Savior that saves us from our own transgression. I mean, no doubt. But he came to do something more. 
And that more is we do not need to settle with a world that just keeps going down a path of destruction. We are people that need to have a different vision about where humanity can go. We don't have to keep going down the same paths of destruction because a Savior has come and He will deal with both our deception and our rebellion by changing us from the inside out. We want to be a community that welcomes His blessing coming into our lives and going to the extent of where the curse can be found. And that's everywhere. (laughs) Everywhere in our lives and everywhere on our planet. So how do we invite his blessing to come and flow through us as far as the curse is found? Would you like to stand with me? Let's explore that just by prayer. Most of the time when we talk about sin, it's a, it's, a, it's a talk about our deeds, the things we do wrong. This doesn't, this doesn't mean there's not transgression. There is transgression. But sometimes I'm, I'm listening to our conversation with the world around us, and we're just talking about transgressions. And we're talking to people around us that don't have the same norm as us. And so really it's like, what are we doing? I mean, I, I know, I, I think I know, I think I know the norms that we're supposed to have and there's behavior we're supposed to do and behavior we're not to, I mean, I get that. But, but it's because you and I, we're, I mean, we're kind of in this community called church and that church has some norms. If people aren't, they don't have the same norm. So what is it that I would have in common with a person that's not within a church? One, I'm a human. And two... I'm a rebellious human. So maybe our conversation should stop about the do's and the don'ts and maybe it should center on our humanity and that there's a God who came to change us on the inside so that we don't rebel all the time. I think most people on the planet would recognize, you know, I do stuff I don't really like doing. And those that don't see that usually are deceived. So can we admit, I mean, could we admit in this room, I mean, if we all, could we all kind of walk to the front and say, yes, I'm a rebel. <laughs> and could we admit that? I mean, could we admit that's one thing to admit? Yes, I rebel. I rebel against the people I love. I rebel against the God I love. That's within me. I recognize that. And I need help with that. I want help. And the other thing is, can can we admit we are gullible? We're really easily deceived. Are we humble enough to say that? To not, well, I don't want to top everything. Really? That's a really vulnerable place to be in. Those, I really believe those are the two things that our Savior wants us to admit, to admit. I'm a rebel. At the core of who I am, I'm a rebel. 
and I'm easily, easily deceived. And if we can be people that admit that, then we can say to Jesus, Oh, Jesus, carry off our rebellion by the atoning power of your blood. And he can begin to interrupt our natural tendency with something that is supernatural. And over time and over mistake, we can learn to be less naive and we can, we can learn to be less rebellious. And I think that's what he wants from us. That's how he wants to save us and impact our world. So Jesus, here we are. And we want you to be our Savior. But Lord, it goes beyond us. We want you to be the Savior of this world. And Jesus, we stand before you and we acknowledge to you that at the core of humanity is a rebellion against your good and your right, your generous and your gracious rule. Lord, our bend is to go our own way. And we we just want to acknowledge to you, O Lord, we are rebels. When it gets right down to it, we are rebels. And some of us are rebels within church buildings, and some of us are rebels outside of church buildings. Some of us are rebels in Texas, and some of us are rebels in Tanzania. Lord, it knows no neighborhood. It knows no nation. Lord, we as humans have rebelled against a good and a kind and a wise and even a powerful God. Lord, the curse has affected all of our lives from the inside out. And so, Jesus, we thank you that you have come to bring blessing where there is curse. We thank you that you have come Come to people born in sin to invite us to be born anew of your kingdom. We invite you to give us a heart that is transformed by your power, by your presence, by your death and your resurrection. We ask, O Lord, that you would invade our lives so that our heart of rebellion would be turned into a heart of submission And that, O Lord, we would submit to you as a wise and a good king. And that, O Lord, we would recognize that without your help, especially your help, Holy Spirit, we are so easily deceived. And we can can commit horrendous things out of deception. So come, Spirit of truth. Come with your light. Come with your wisdom. Come with your humility. Carry off our rebellion by the atoning power of your blood, Jesus. And send us out with this message to our world. A Savior has been born. A Savior who changes us from the inside out so that we can do things of value and beauty and greatness for other human beings. So, Lord, we bless you. And thank you in your name. Amen.